0: hey good morning fellowship We bless the lord for you all and especially uh that last song relentless aren't you glad that the love of the lord jesus just keeps coming after us and coming after us and coming after us that's especially good to know right now during this season this pandemic season to realize that jesus is not held hostage he's not uh he's not social distancing from us He's not sheltering in place, he's coming after us, he loves us, and nothing, nothing can stop him from coming to us and meeting us and meeting our needs. So we praise the Lord for you all. So if you're watching with your families or if you're single and uh, you're there in your home or your condo or wherever you might be, welcome this morning. Hey, by the way, this is a time during our service that we, if we were gathered together, that we normally would uh, be celebrating and worshiping the Lord with our giving. And so I just want to remind all of us, and thank you, by the way, for your sacrificial giving. And I know that these are challenging times for, for so many of us. But uh, the work of the ministry here is continuing, and God is using Fellowship Bible Church to be a source of hope and help and encouragement to others. And it's because you're giving and praying and you're staying engaged with us. So I want to thank the Lord for that and encourage you to continue investing in the work of the ministry here. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to be talking today about the journey of faith the journey of faith. But before we get started, let's just bow our heads together for a word of prayer. Holy Father, we thank you for your presence, and we thank you that you are with us. You are with us. And that with your presence comes your resources, and that you have everything that we need And, oh, God, as we are following you, particularly right now with all this uncertainty around us, and we're trusting you moment by moment, day by day, we pray that we will sense the assurance of your presence. God, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts today. Give us hope, strengthen and bolster our faith, Father. Oh God, come to us and assure us and leverage the confidence that we do have and increase that God confidence so that, Father, we might take these steps of of, of faith and certainty in the midst of an uncertain time. Thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, week by week, I've been praying about what God would have me to say, and uh, each week he leads me to an emphasis and leads me to a passage and. During this season, normally if you've been around Fellowship Bible Church, you know that I typically will speak on a series of messages, sometimes an eight-part series, five-part series, and sometimes longer than that if we're going through a book. But during this time, I have felt led of the Lord to suspend that and to really press into Him about what He'd have me to say. I wrote a book about five years ago uh, called Unshaken, and it really is a book about faith. And I have to tell you, I have gone back to that book in these days and these weeks myself just to have my own faith strengthened and to remember what I said, or at least what God laid on my heart to share. And as I was going through that, I was reminded there in one chapter that I did a, did a little bit of a presentation on, on, on the faith of Abraham and his journey of faith. It's interesting that Abraham is called the man of faith in the Bible, and in fact, he's called the father of faith. But as you look at his life, you, 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 uh, you realize that his life was, in many ways, was not like, unlike ours in the sense that he had to journey to a place of strong faith, strong faith. If we're followers of Jesus Christ, we're going to trust him. Let me say that again. If we're followers of Jesus Christ, we are going to trust him. Many years ago, I was in, uh, I was on staff of the Campus Crusade for Christ, now called Crew, and, uh, part of the U.S. leadership team, we did this team building exercise. We went out to the high Sierras there in California, and one of the things that we did just to, to learn how to trust one another was to repel down this, uh, they called it a rock wall, a rock wall, and it was 200 feet down. And so, you, you had someone holding your rope while you bounced off the face of this rock all the way down. And it was a a matter of trust, and you had to believe that that person was not going to let go of that rope. And as you looked at that person, and you looked down at the bottom there, you were saying to yourself, I hope I didn't do anything to offend this dude, because my life is in his hands. And that's the point of faith, by the way. Our life is in the hands of our great, almighty God. The issue with faith is not so much how much faith we have, but it is the object of faith. But the point I want to make today is that faith is obedience. Faith is obedience. It is not just something that is nice to have, and it's good to have faith, and it's good to believe. It's a, it's a wonderful resource in the Christian life. No, faith, faith is a command in the scriptures. In fact, Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How did we receive him? Did we receive him by works? Did we receive him by dangling our resume? No, it was surely by faith. We had nothing to offer. And we just reached out and believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross in our place and for our sins. And that faith transformed our lives. Well, what the Apostle Paul is saying in Colossians 2 verse 6 is that the same faith that transformed our lives is the faith that will sustain us through the difficult times in life. But notice it is a command. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. The writer of Hebrews says it more clearly in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 when he says without faith, hear this, hear this, it is impossible impossible to please God. No faith, no God pleasure. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who would come to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And then he goes on in that, in that chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, to give, give us snapshots of believing faith. Great men and women of God who went through difficult times Times of darkness and pain and suffering and opposition and adversity, but they continue to believe God. But the point I want to underscore here is that faith, again, is obedience. Faith is obedience. I've said this a number of times here at the church, that faith is a verb even when it's a noun. Faith is a response to God. It is something that we do. And exhibit A of this believing faith is Abraham, is Abraham. Now, we we exercise this believing, obedient faith at least in three categories. One is obeying, obeying the word of God. When we read it, we do it. If it says something to do, we respond. And so we obey the word of God. Secondly, this obedient faith is demonstrated in how we respond to the callings and assignments that God brings to us, things that he's showing us to do, things that he's leading us to do, uh, uh, things that he places on our hearts to do by his spirit. We have to obey that and respond to that. And then thirdly, this obedient faith is demonstrated with the challenges, trials, suffering, and adversity in life, albeit the coronavirus, virus, this pandemic that we're in right now believing God amidst opposition. Well, again, getting back to Abraham, we find Abraham is exhibit A of this obedient faith. I want to look uh, here at Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 8. For here the writer of Hebrews says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Now, I want to make three observations in summarizing Abraham's journey in this this obedient faith. And I want to say it applicationally because it relates to us. Number one is this, we obey God when we don't know where we're going. Secondly, we obey God when we don't know when God is going to fulfill his promise. And then thirdly, we obey God when we don't know why God is asking us to do the excruciating. You see, faith is not cheap. Faith is not convenient. Faith rises to opposition, and to uncertainty. So number one, we obey God when we don't know where we are going. I want you to notice in this passage here that's really a summary, by the way, of, of Genesis chapter, chapter 12 through chapter 22 is, is the span of history, the span of time that the Rite of Hebrews is summarizing. But it begins by really talking, referring back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, when God comes to Abraham and tells Abraham to leave his family and leave the security of home and to follow him to go to a place that he would show him. Now, what you have to understand is, and this text says it right here, that Abraham didn't know where he was going. He didn't know where God was taking him. God just said to Abraham to go but what did Abraham do? He responded to God. You see, what was clear was not the where, but what was clear was the who. Did you hear what I just said? What was clear was not the where, but what was clear was the who. And because of what Abraham knew about God and he discerned his voice, He knew that God had spoken, and that was all the confidence that he needed to step out, even though he didn't know where he was going. And this teaches us that we need to respond to God no matter what. Whatever God says, we're going to do. And that is obedient, that is obedient faith. God didn't tell Abraham specifically where he was going. And not only that, God did not reveal to Abraham what he was going to go go through or what he was going to encounter along the way. But Abraham left. Why did he leave? Because God spoke. Because God spoke. And I want to encourage us right now. I want to encourage us. Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't, don't view the Bible and the clear statements of the Bible in terms of direction and what he wants us to do. And the confirmation of the Spirit of God in our hearts and minds, don't take God's direction, his clear direction, as suggestions. Our response to God is only one, there's only one acceptable response to God, and that's yes. It's not I'll think about it, maybe I'll do it and definitely not no. our response to God is always is always yes you see we follow God it's not so much a plan that we follow but we follow God we follow him and he knows the way through the wilderness so the question is do we know that God has spoken to us Abraham obeyed even though he didn't know where, where he was, where he was going. I have a friend of mine who a number of years ago said to me that he believed that God was calling him to, uh, leave the, leave the business world and go into full-time vocational Christian ministry. And, uh, and we're all excited about it. In fact, he shared that with a number of us who are close to him. And as he shared that, we, we, uh, we, we really felt as if, well, man, this is what God is telling you to do. And we were just really, really excited about it. Well, weeks and months went by, and I would periodically check in with him and say, "What, well, you know, are you sure God has laid this on your heart?" He said, "Yeah, God's laid this on my heart, but uh, but He hadn't pulled the trigger yet." I said, "What, what, what, uh, what needs to take place?" He said, "Well, I'm just, I don't want to get ahead of the Lord. I don't want to get ahead of the Lord." Well, I asked him this over the next year or so several times, and finally, I said to him one day, "Are you sure that God wants you to wait?" Or are you afraid to move? Are you sure God's calling you to wait? Or are you afraid to move? You know, God may be speaking to you right now. And we're expecting him to give us all the details, all all the stuff that we need to do. We're we're expecting him to give us this long plan of how this is going to work out, all these eventualities and this kind of stuff. And God says, no, that's not how I work. That's not how I work. No, we, we respond to him based on the information that he gives us. When he says go, we trust him and we go. This also raises the whole issue of wisdom, doesn't it? What, what is wisdom? Sometimes, sometimes we have this tendency to think that wisdom has to do with knowing what and why and how God's going to do something. And that wisdom is figuring out all the little things and all the all the scenarios, and this is how God is going to work and getting all my information together, and that it's wisdom. Well, uh there's a balance to all of that. Yes, Proverbs teaches us that we need to be prudent, we need to be wise, and the counsel there's wisdom, and we need to be skillful about approaching life. That is true, that is true. And yet at the same time. The uh, underlying emphasis of wisdom in the Bible is that wisdom is not so much me knowing what God is doing and having all the eventualities in front of me, but rather wisdom is responding godly based upon the truth that he has given me to whatever he's doing, to whatever he's doing. I don't need to have all the information before I obey God. I don't need him to tell me everything before I move. See, to demand all of the answers before we act is to say to God that he has to trust us before we move. Did you hear what I just said? To demand all the answers before we act is to say to God that he has to trust us before we move. And that's the reason why God stands back, and I know he does this in my life, he says, no, 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 Crawford, I am not going to tell you everything that you want to know because you need to trust me and so it is right now as we're facing this pandemic and and all the stuff that is happening to us the uncertainties everywhere uh when are we going to go back to work can we go back to work how is all that going to look I mean well I'm running out of money I'm running out of all these things what do I do do I am I do I, do I do I just don't do anything do I just sit in my house and lay in bed do I pull the covers over my head do I not respond do I not act No, God is speaking. He's saying, no, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? You know, uh, we want God to provide before we say yes to God. And God says, no, you say yes to me, then I will provide. Then I will provide. So Abraham moves from certainty to uncertainty. Abraham had to leave his home. He had to leave his family. He knew about that. But why did he leave? He left home because he knew, loved, and trusted God. So you see, faith is obedience. And we obey God even when we don't know where we are going. Through the years, I've asked uh, parents of uh, of missionaries who, who have kids, in some cases grandkids, who, who are ministering in very dangerous places around the world, far from them. And I, I've, I've asked them, you know, uh, how does that make you feel? I mean, it must be bad not to be able to see your kids and go down the street to see them or, or to be with them. And most of them will say something like this, and that is we would rather have them far away doing what God called them to do than to be here, right by our side, close to us, but be disobedient and out of the will of God. See, doing what God tells you to do is everything. Faith is obedience. And we obey when we don't know where God is taking us. Secondly, we obey even when we don't. We don't know when God is going to fulfill his promise. Listen to these verses. Picking it up in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, it says, By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, what a line, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Now this is remarkable, God made a promise to Abraham and Sarah, they were barren, they, didn't, they couldn't have any children. You know, Abraham and Sarah were, were, humanly speaking, in an impossible predicament. They promised, God promised them, that you're going to have a son, and Abraham through your son, so all the nations of the world be blessed. But there's one problem. As this text says, they were past the childbearing ages. You know, when when Isaac was born, Abraham was approximately 100 years old. Sarah was about 90 years old. And the text, which is not so kind to Abraham, we just read it, said Abraham was as good as dead, meaning that he could not produce life. So when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been waiting on the Lord for something to happen? You've believed him for. You've been praying and praying and praying and seeking God for this thing and trusting him and a, not a. You were sure that God laid this on your heart to pray about this thing? You were sure that this is what he wanted you to believe him for? In fact, there were promises from the word of God that underscored that this was the right thing. But in this case, this is even more emphatic. God specifically told Abraham and Sarah there's no question about what he said about what was going to take place in their lives, that they were going to have a son. What happened? What happened? You look from Genesis, what, 15, chapter 15 through chapter 22. Between the time of the promise and the time of the fulfillment of that promise, there's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of tension in the relationship. There's a lot of refinement that was taking place in Abraham and Sarah's life. In fact, you come to chapter 16 and something awful takes place. Terrible. You see, they've gotten so tired of waiting that they became impatient. And with impatience sometimes comes rationalization. So Sarah comes up with this plan, she says to Abraham in Genesis chapter 16, hey look, this is not happening here, Um, I can't bear children. Uh, but maybe what God really means by that, see, I've got Hagar here, my Egyptian servant. She's in the household. She is younger and this kind of thing, and she can have children, and maybe what God really meant about all of this is that not that I would literally have the child, but, you know, it would be your child, and it could be my child too by adoption, and that's where the promise is going to come. Hey, be very careful of jacking things up, okay? Be very careful of adding to what God said. It screws us up every single time. No, God said the child would come from you and Sarah. Abraham caves. He sleeps with Hagar. Hagar gets pregnant. What happens? Sarah gets angry and jealous. Next thing you know, Hagar hits the pavement and Ishmael is born. This should teach us all a lesson here. In fact, there's some incredible lessons that this should should teach all of us. Oh man, one of the overarching lessons is that (laughs) impatience and recklessness is not faith. Did you hear what I just said? Impatience and recklessness is not faith. I, for one, am very very concerned about some of the things that I hear from some of my colleagues these days, particularly with the uh, shelter-in-place, you know, uh, 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 ordinance that's been given to us, the order that's been given to us is shelter-in-place, and there's some churches that are ignoring that and the pastors are having services and I don't think that that's a, that's a step of obedience at all we're acting as if we're being so spiritual but it's a very unloving thing to do and sometimes we we have a way of branding reckless behavior making our decisions and then asking God to bless them we have to wait on God trust him But I wanna articulate a number of lessons here. I have, I, I wrote down four of these lessons that come out of this tragic experience. One is this, and that is that God doesn't work when we demand him to, but when he is ready to. You're not gonna speed God up. You're not gonna fast forward God. You're not gonna make him work any faster. And so this whole situation says they're trying to solve their own problem and they created a mess, an exponential mess. Secondly, sometimes it takes more faith to stand still than it does to move forward if God has not spoken and he's not clear we have to wait on him we have to trust him we have to we have to realize that he knows what he's doing and sometimes and I know this is true in my life because you're looking at a guy that has struggled with patience his whole life it's a genetic predisposition But I have had to learn the hard way that sometimes it takes more faith to sit down and wait on God than it does to give myself to frantic activities trying to solve my own dilemmas. The third lesson is that waiting causes us to appreciate and savor God's sovereign control over our lives. Therefore, again, waiting is an act of faith. Waiting, he says, that I'm trusting God. I, I, I believe God's going to take care of me. When, when you're in a situation where you can't do anything, don't try to do something. Did you what I said? When you're in a situation where you can't do anything, don't try to do something. There are lessons to be learned in silence. There are lessons to be learned in solitude. There are things that God wants to shape and do in our lives. He says, now is not the time. And then fourthly, if God gives us what we're trusting him for too soon, we may get more attached to the provision than the provider. He knows the condition of our hearts. And so if we get it right now, right now, right now, there's this tendency to gravitate toward the provider to the provision. And God knows what he's doing. So we learn from Abraham that we obey God when we don't know where we're going. We obey God, number two, when we don't know when God is going to fulfill his promise. But thirdly and finally, we obey God when we don't know why. Why? God is asking us to do the excruciating, the painful. If you drop your eye down here in Hebrews chapter 11 to verse 17, verse 17 through 20 is a summary of uh, Genesis chapter 22, I believe, verses 1 through 14. The writer of Hebrews says, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. The point being that here you have you have Abraham offering up his son. Now you see the tension in this whole thing here. If you keep, keep Keep your finger there. Well, you don't have to keep your finger there. Go back to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22 fills in the blanks about what what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. Here you have Isaac. And as you look at Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 14, you're struck by the depth and immediacy of Abraham's obedience. In fact, it takes your breath away. Now, 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 consider this. Isaac, and remember, Isaac was the miracle baby. Isaac was the son of promise. He was the only child of a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old mother. He was the promise. And yet when you read this account, what strikes you is that there's no deliberation back and forth between Abraham and God. There's no questions being asked. He doesn't ask for clarification. He doesn't say, surely you don't mean for me to kill the promise, do you? Listen to these words here. Genesis chapter 22, beginning of verse verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, No mistake about that. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now listen to these verbs to show the immediacy of Abraham's obedience. And Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. The ellipsis is, we will come again to you. Here's the point. Abraham, at this point, had learned the lesson of faith. He didn't know how God was going to pull this thing off. But this was an excruciating, painful thing that God was asking him to do. But by this point in his life, he had learned his lesson Don't try to edit God and don't try to prematurely bring to some type of closure and synthesis based upon the the conflict that you feel. Let God resolve that. Abraham realized that in the face of, of, of horrible circumstances, in the face of something that was bitter and painful, he had to obey God. I want you to hear me on this. Part of what this pandemic is teaching the church of Jesus Christ is that we have been too dependent on other things. We have lost the sense of the necessity of complete obedience to God. And no matter what, We have to obey God. So what does Abraham do? He gives back to God what God had given to him. By the way, if we can't give back to God what God has given to us, then what God has given to us has replaced God. If you can't give your children back to God, then your child has replaced God. If you can't give your husband or your wife back to God, then your spouse has replaced God. If you can't give your finances back to God, then your finances has replaced God. If you can't give your career back to God, then your career has replaced God. And that's the message here. And that's the reason why when Abraham lays Isaac down on the altar and he was going to obey God and he raises the knight to kill him, he hears this ram in the bush. And God says, stay your hand. Stay your hand. The message here is that, Abraham, you needed to prove to yourself that I'm everything. And the lesson here is that whatever I place in your hands, you hold it like this. But you hold me like this. Too many of us, it's the other way around. We're holding our stuff. We're holding our families. We're holding our money like this. And we're holding God as if he's optional. You see, you can't separate faith from obedience. To say that you're a person of faith is to say that you have decided to obey God in every area of your life. That it's not optional. That I'm going to trust him. And I'm gonna believe him no matter what. I don't know what's gonna come out about coronavirus, this pandemic. I know that life will never be the same anymore. And I'm not so sure that that's not a bad thing. And I don't know when everybody's going to get back to work. I don't know what it's going to do to us permanently, the economy and this kind of thing. But I know that one thing, it should not affect. It should not affect our vision of our great God. If anything, it should drive us more closely and fervently to his heart. If anything at all, if anything at all, it should burn away the non-essentials in our lives, and we should become men and women who are willing to do whatever it takes to obey our king and our savior, because we realize that faith is not some little rabbit's foot. Faith is expression of our obedience. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't know him as your Savior. And Lord, right now, I want you to take that first step of faith. To say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for paying the price. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I turn from my sin and I trust you as my Savior and as my Lord. God is speaking to you. And he wants you to see that you were born for him. Say, fellowship, let's believe God. Let's trust him. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your presence. And thank you that you've called us on this journey of faith. Oh, God, faith is not cheap. It's not reckless. But it is the expression of our heart's desire to obey our great God, no matter what. In Jesus' name. Amen.